This episode of UK Low Carb Podcast is sponsored by Deliciously Guilt Free. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to UK Low Carb. This is a special series with Nicola Howard, a good friend of mine, where we talk about the relationship. The relationships that we have with food, whether it's physical, psychological, spiritual, societal and even environmental. Join us each Tuesday as we talk about a different topic in this field. And if you want to be part of the conversation, then you can join our Facebook group, UK Low Carb. Or you can ask Nicola Howard anything you wish in our live session at the end of this series. I'll now hand over to Nicola Howard. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our series, The Relationship. This is a series I'm making with Nicola Howard, and it's all about the body, mind and spirit relationship we have with food. And today is um, the kind of culmination of the last two episodes, although it's not really, really halfway through the series. And this is talking about the spiritual side of a relationship with food. Um, and just before I say hello to Nicola, I just want to try and summarize this. And, and you can tell me if I've got this right or not. <laughs> if, if the physical addiction or the physical side of food is what happens in our bodies, the psychologicals are happening in our minds and the sort of patterns we've picked up through our upbringing. The spiritual is kind of the way that we can empower ourselves now to take all that information and make choices that we want to based on what we want to do for ourselves. Is that right? Absolutely right. Absolutely. Oh, I've become proper woo-woo now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm a very woo. But I'm. I'm. A, it's very strange. I am deeply, deeply scientific and rational, and yet I love a good bit of woo. Um, yeah. Because we are. I believe we are all divine beings connected to everything through all time and space, and we are given this body as a vehicle to experience the world. That is. You're that not a conservative voter, are you? No, I t- I'm not. <laughs> Um, I don't think those guys think that. No, I'm really joking. Anyway, um, okay, I love this. So, so over to you then, Nicola, because I think this is the the kind of point we've been working up to now, and I think this is going to be fascinating. So, so take it away. Okay. So, as I as I mentioned at the end of the last episode, we are not our thoughts and our feelings. Our feelings and our thoughts are done back here in a thing called the amygdala. And and the back side of your brain is where you do a lot of that sort of emotional thinking. You do your logic stuff in the front in the thing that's called the neocortex. Mm-hmm. Those two things don't actually talk to each other. They don't have a common language. Um, your your amygdala and your limbic system feeds feelings into your neocortex that then tries to rationalize. Um, this comes down to going going back into the physical slightly. When your body sends up a signal to the brain saying, I'm hungry. It's your neocortex that's um, translating the limbic system's feeling of I need energy to I need a chocolate biscuit. Right. Okay. so it's almost like there's like a response system saying problem and then your brain's trying to figure out what exactly to do to fix that problem. Yeah. And because your neocortex knows that this feeling you're getting of needing energy can be solved by having a chocolate biscuit, that's why you then go and reach for one. And that's all psychological. What the spirit then comes in to do is going, does that serve me? Does that serve my existence right now? And as I say, you you may, where where we're going to talk about this, some of these these, um, concepts will be confronting, hard to understand, and you may not be able to accept them yet. So your spirit can look at that thought and it can go, does this thought serve me? Most people will never have even thought about that before, because mm-hmm. what we do is we get into cascades of thought. Um, something happens. Uh, Victor Frankl put this. 
there there is a moment between stimulus and response, and in that moment there is choice. Right. Most people never notice the moment. So when something happens and you find yourself having a <laughs> of thought that you just go go for, we. Um, one of the things that we get taught about in sort of this sort of field of of looking at this from a spiritual perspective is around looking at that cascade of thought as what's called the detached observer. Okay. So again, we are not our thoughts. We can think about our thoughts. Um, this is a concept in psychology called metacognition. Meta, of course, being about about thoughts. And Aristotle, so we're going back however many years Aristotle was, he called this this sort of being able to think about your thoughts, he called it the rational soul. So this is separate from a religious idea of the soul and the spirit. This is this is him going, well, yeah, I can think about this. I can analyze this. I can make choices based on these thoughts. There has to be something above the thoughts that are driving the fact I can do that. And he called it the rational soul. So what you can do with that cascade of thoughts, I, I often still do the behavior of I'm bored. I will go and look in the fridge for food to assuage my boredom. Mm-hmm. I will find myself opening the fridge and then I have the moment that says this isn't going to serve me. I shut the fridge and I walk away. There is nothing in the fridge that will solve my boredom. So yep. I my my spirit has gone. No, no, you don't need to carry on that set of psychological behavior. You can break the chain. At some point, I'm hoping that I don't need to open the fridge. But I've got to a point where I can get to the behavior and take the moment and go, yes, I don't need to. I, as a spirit being, I don't need to do the thing that my patterns are telling me to do. Right. Like that. So you, is this the, the same as like the id and the ego and the, the super ego. ego a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. yeah? This, this all comes from from the, that sort of um, all of this stuff back here in the amygdala is what Freud called the ego. The ego, as I said, is formed from the ages of zero to seven, and it never changes. You will always have the ego. Its job is to keep you safe and alive. Its job is not to keep you happy. Its job is to keep you safe. Right. And when you realize that what it thinks is safe might not actually be healthy or driving your happiness, you you make a breakthrough. Because wow. safe, I, I, I this is where we go into some of the stuff that's happened to me recently. Yeah, I have always had in my my ego the need to hide doing this sort of thing. I couldn't have done this thing two years ago. We spoke about this way yeah, back. Yeah, you saying. Yeah, I've discovered through events that have happened recently that the reasons I probably got this is because my grandparents argued all the time. And my my parent, my my mum and stepdad argued all the time. So I learned just just keep your head down. They're gonna not pay attention to you because they're too busy. Yeah. And and the fact that I picked that up as my coping mechanism. I so also in a way, you're gonna have shrapnel coming your way if yeah. you get your head up. If so I, you might as well I, just keep out of the way. Up, yeah. If I put my head up, bad bad stuff happens. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be here and I'm just gonna wow. hide and I'm not gonna That's get sad. involved. And that's affected you until two years ago. So that's a a lot of your life has been shaped in this way. I I realized then, because, of course, once you start doing this self-development work, you can't unlearn the stuff that you've learned. Um, 
you then can start using spirit to make the choice. So I choose, my spirit knows that I am here to empower the UK to eat this, eat itself healthy. I'm mm -hmm. here to disrupt and completely destroy the diet industry paradigm. And I'm here to basically empower people to live happy and healthy lives. Yeah. I can't do that if I give in to, you need to hide. Yeah, yeah. So I make the choice spiritually to show up. I make the choice to do this. Whereas some people are not going to have the whatever capability tools to start working on that. And that's why I say this is this is confronting because this is what's called Steve Pressman called this resistance. Right. Your resistance, as I say, it's designed to keep you safe and small. It's designed to make you not change. It's designed to keep you within your known parameters, even if your known parameters are not actually that healthy or happy or comfortable. Yeah. And he said and I agree with totally that you can use your resistance as effectively an anti-compass because your resistance is going to repel you. It's going to repel you from making major change because, of course, major change, unknown, not safe. Ruga, ruga. Mm. So, so the more resistance you feel to a change, the more positive that change is going to be for your life. So it's a huge change, and that's why it's so scary. Yeah. Um, you know, I can relate to that. There's something that happened to me. It's... it's it's actually almost like the polar opposite of what you said. So I was going to do a hustings now, just for those listeners in other countries and maybe in the UK, I don't know what hustings is. When I was a candidate in the general election, um, I was invited to the other candidates standing to become a member of parliament to go to an event where there's about a hundred to 200 people there live in front of you. And they can ask you anything from nuclear deterrence to food policy, to pollution and quite often these people especially in cambridgeshire are very educated people who know their stuff so they turn up as an expert and they ask you anything and you know ju just as a uh, i'm quite confident in front of crowds but you know even i was nervous in some ways and i'd done my research i'd had i had a, a notebook i've always got notebooks and i was just, you know different sections written on different policies areas that i knew inside out so i kind of had learned that so i knew from a knowledge point of view i was fine but the weird thing is, even though I felt really prepared for it, my hand was shaking. And I was like, what is going on? Like there's there's this disconnection in a way that mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't I didn't think scared, but I felt scared. Mm -hmm. And it's really weird how that spirit side, I was looking at this thinking, I feel I no, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk in those terms. I think confidently, I I I think that I'm prepared for this, and I and I know this is gonna be fine, absolutely fine. But I also, at the same time, there's a part of my brain, the animal side of me, mm -hmm. which is saying, are you mad? Get yep. away from this as soon as you can, because this is going to be horrific. And OK, yep. some hustings have been bad because that's just the nature of it. Someone stands up and they have a go at you. It's not pleasant. But mm -hmm. I knew that was going to happen. But I also knew that it would be fine, though, because I know I'm going to I'm going to come off that stage absolutely buzzing like I always do because I'm going to love it. But it's a feeling of the fear. And yeah. I literally my hand was shaking. I was like. And I said to my wife, Bestman, have you seen this? I don't, I don't think nervous at all, but I feel nervous. It's really weird. And I could observe it as an outsider almost yeah, without actually absolutely. being completely consumed by the fit. Yeah. Whereas, whereas and, the, and the fact that you could do that, you used attached observer on it, is awesome. Whereas a lot of people with stage fright will let it consume them. And then they mm. won't do the thing. They believe it. They almost yeah. think it, instead of thinking, oh, that's an interesting response from my body. I wonder why that might be. Uh -huh. And thinking about it, they're actually becoming, oh, that that means I just can't do it. That, that's what I am. I am yeah. scared. So I that's am. the end of it. This yeah. comes into identity. You've just said it, the I am versus I have. It's like, yeah. I have a back issue. This body of mine has a back issue. 
but I am not. I don't. I do not suffer back pain. I am not a back pain sufferer. I have. I don't have an identity that wraps myself around the fact that I have a back issue. Yeah. Whereas other people that that have a, an issue of just use a physicality one would be well. Well, yeah. This is me. I can't do this because of that. Yeah. And be- yeah. because of this wanting to crave safety, it will help you happily. Limiting help you beliefs yourself. become so much easier to fulfill because they're so limited. And then you yeah. don't have to push yourself. And, and yeah. 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 And, and, th- 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 and there's the whole bunch of, of, of stuff around the psychology of the body chemistry, the fact that you were feeling this, this is adrenaline, noradrenaline and epinephrine. It's, it's just chemicals. But that saves me, you know, because I'm actually, my problem is I don't listen to that enough. Yeah. And actually I can, I can almost walk into a very dangerous situation that without any like, Oh, it will be fine. I'm always fine. I'm always landing on my feet. I'm very lucky. And then actually sometimes this feeling is like, Oh, I should listen to that because this, yeah. this, if this goes wrong, it's going to go really wrong. So yeah. just, just check everything, you know, but the, the chemistry of fear and anxiety is identical to the chemistry of excitement right, and okay. anticipation. But it's how we focus, what what the pattern we, we are running in the context of, well, I've, I've received these chemicals. As I say, you get hungry, you want energy, this interprets it as a chocolate biscuit. Yeah. Given the stimulus you receive, you can interpret the same chemicals as I'm scared of this and I don't want to do it, or I'm really excited, I'm going for it. But it's yep. the same body chemistry yep. and it's all about your perception, your perception of how you treat what's going on. We so let's just relate that to food to... then, because I, th- I think that's really important. So th- there is the so- there's a sort of uh, urge you might have, your body might say, uh, you know, or, or the memory of, oh, that, that chocolate biscuit, that chocolate bar makes me feel so good when I eat it. But then there's a the spirit side to say, well, hang on a minute, that's just the thought, really? Yeah. Yep. And, and you can actually just... Just check yourself and say, really, is that what you want? Yeah. Is that going to help me or is that going to hinder me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of the work I do with my clients is all about retraining these these stimulus response reactions Mm -hmm. and about, well, if you are, if you are, if your body is wanting hungry and you've got this, I want a biscuit in your head just to pick on biscuits. I don't don't know why I'm picking on biscuits, but hey, just eat some. They deserve to be picked on, to be fair. They've done a lot of damage. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. But just, just eat some fatty protein. If you if your body is telling you you want something that's going to give you, it believes you're going to give you energy. Your mind believes you're going to give you energy. Eat some food. Don't yeah. feel guilty about that. Don't think, oh, it's not meal time. Don't think all these things that again we're taught to discipline our bodies and deny them and do whatever with the whole crappy paradigm that's existing. If you are hungry, eat some food. Simple as. That's completely that, you completely summed up exactly the battle that I've had, if I'm honest. Because I, I've been stuck in this thing of God, I'm really hungry, but I don't eat now because it's not dinner time. Or I don't eat now because and then I would not be hungry later on, but I'd eat at that time because yeah. that's the social norm. Uh yeah. or the other way around, I really am hungry. Uh and now I've got myself to the like I said about the the omelette before, I got myself to the situation where I'd eat a, a, a non-optimal food because I was hungry and needed it. But actually if I'd filled myself up with a protein, with a fat or whatever, I wouldn't have had that desire. And so yeah. I think you're right there. You've got to look after your physical, get that sort of side mm-hmm. sorted out, and then appreciate what your psychology is coming up with might not be correct. So you're actually yeah. in the driving seat again, aren't you? The body is always truthful. The body is a high, it cannot lie, it has no language. The mind is full of language and full of lies, full, chock full of lies. And then you get to discern what's actually going on. And that's empowering. Yeah. 
you do, always have choice. Just out of interest, when you're working with people, uh, I know you can't really give like a figure about how or what percentage. Would you say that most of us are kind of stuck on our physical and psychological beings without having the ability to, well, not the ability, but we don't maybe make the choice to to step back and make that judgment? We aren't taught to. Mm. And, and it's as simple as that. As soon as I, I know the people that, again, I'm going to use the diet industry words, are fall off the wagon. The people yeah. that work with me and fall off the wagon are the people that haven't done the mind work. They've changed their the way they eat. They've, quote, lost a bunch of weight. And then there is no reason for them to maintain that. So they fall back into comfort and reward and treats are based in carbohydrate because they haven't changed the way they think. Or, or like you say, reward for look what I've achieved. Yeah, One cheat meal is not going to hurt. I've seen that so many times, by the way. It's very sad. Um, people who who get to a certain point and then it's like, well, I, it's worked for me, but now I'm going to change it because it has worked for me. So I'm yeah. going to reward myself. And you think, yeah. careful. You eat the food that make you fat you get fat again or you yeah. eat the food that made you get diabetes you get diabetes again it's as simple yeah. as that from a physiological perspective but the pe the people that i know work with me and do that mind work start digging in realize that they are not their thoughts start being empowered start getting the structures that i give to support that they just make choices and live life and if that choice is not optimal every now and then well that's so be it they aren't falling off the wagon they aren't beating themselves up they just chose it's like twice a year we used to go out me and my boyfriend to michelin star restaurant we'd just pick one and we'd go for it fantastic awesome beautiful meal and i'd just eat it i'd eat whatever the chef gave me because they know what goes together and they know what's going to dance on my tongue and then that's it i made that choice i move on haven't fallen off the wagon. I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm going to enjoy what I've choice chosen, and then get on with my get on with my life. Yeah, that's there is so no empowered. wagon. Yeah, the wagon. Do you is think trapped. as well though? There's a certain part of our psychology which is living for other people as well. What will other people think about my food mm. choices? What? Will, and I know that's oh. another topic for another time. But yeah, that, well, that, that, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Yeah, in, in, in how we've then got these society patterns. Yes, we get to choose. But when we start choosing, other people are going to start kicking off because their bits of the back of their brain go, I don't want you to change. I want you to be the way you are. I want you to stay here yeah. with me in the safety of the shape I know our relationship is. So, yeah, next week we're going to dig into that one lots more. Fascinating. Whoa. Okay. I, I, I've learned so much. And it's um, when I say learned, it's not like you've taught me something that's like, well, you have taught me lots of science and stuff. But actually, I think it's more than that. It's just, uh, suddenly the self-understanding I've had of, of me. I've had a lot of revelations there. So thank you so much. And I hope that uh, people listening to this have as well. Um, I really want to hear, by the way, from you, the, the listeners and the, and the viewers out there. Uh, what do you think? You know, Do you think that uh, you're somebody who's able to have that sort of more of a spiritual relationship with your with your food choices and with your life or do you sometimes feel you do get stuck in the psychological and the physical i mean we all do actually to be fair mm. so i'd be surprised if you said no to that um I, actually i just want to ask you about that i do I very occasionally come across people who say for me food is fuel and i would literally just eat and they tend to be stick thin and they just don't have any issues with like food it seems on the outside anyway do you think there's people who are genuinely like that or uh, are we all to some extent stuck in this sort of cycle? Well, you, I mean, if you're going back to physiological, you've got Richard Marcanus back in 1968 called two body types, burns everything and fattens easily. And <laughs> I know which one I am. Yeah, me too. But the people that burns everything cannot see 
what happens when fat and easily eat the things that make them fat because they don't literally so their experience doesn't translate to if i literally that if i eat a cream cake i gain 10 pounds if i look at a cream cake i gain 10 pounds they don't understand that statement because they their body doesn't do that for them yeah so they've never had to think about that they just live eat food live life and go well yeah why why can't you not eat it's easy and they yeah. don't, and that that is again that comes into the relationship we have with other people about how everybody has their own story, everybody is where they are, and we as individuals get to choose how we react to them. Love that. So it's about empowering you to then be in charge of your own life, and and whatever choices you make, they're your choices. You can own them and yeah. make them on your terms. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, if anyone wants to contact us, please do uh, UK Low Carb, or you can also go to Low Carb in the UK, two Facebook groups, one's Nicola's, one's mine, uh, and be part of the conversation. And if you've got any questions, send them in to uh, probably best is Dan at UK Low Carb Podcast. No, Dan at UK Low Carb.com, should I say the email, uh, and Instagram, it's UK Low Carb Pod. Um, and any contact for you, Nicola, you want to give out as well for your Twitter and, and et cetera, if people want to ask you questions? Oh, all, all of my social medias are low carb in the UK. So Twitter, low Pinterest, carb in the UK. Instagram, Facebook. The Facebook group is called Low Carb in the UK. Facebook page, Low Carb in the UK. And my website is lowcarbinthe.uk. So there it's you go. very, very consistent. Fantastic. <laughs> you got in there early exactly so there you go so if you want to be uh, part of the conversation please share your views It'd be great and um, we're now going to take this on a bit further so if you imagine we're talking about the individual and all this stuff that's going on inside us we're now going to talk a bit about also how that relationship also is shaped by those around us and mm. the loved ones by our relationships with people and society at whole so yeah. uh yeah excellent stuff thank you so much nicola i wish you a very lovely happy week absolutely i'll see you next week for interesting stuff All right. Bye now. Bye.